the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Hi, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Uh, hello to all, all your loved ones, all your friends. Uh, hello to the one and only super producer, Max Williams. This is an intro to something different because we did a live show for the first time in years. It was so much fun. It was kind of a live show. Does it count as a live show? Oh, yeah. There were people there. There okay. were real life people there. And uh, we were there in person. You, myself, and uh, Eli, and Diana from Ridiculous Romance, along with Lauren Vogelbaum, our dear friend and colleague and host of the amazing American Shadows on the Grim and Mild Network of Brain Stuff, of Saver, uh, along with Annie Reese. Uh, and it's one of our favorite people in general who does a fantastic job of moderating a panel we did about i believe you you came up with this name ben what was it the the humorous and the heavy yeah the humor and the heavy so if you've heard our previous episode uh or previous series where we were lucky enough to have our friends uh, diane and eli on the show their show ridiculous romance is delightful but just like our show they run into some pretty heavy subjects so we went uh Noel, you and I, and uh, Diana and Eli and Lauren and a couple other folks went to Podcast Movement in Nashville, Tennessee, where we spoke with a crowd about how to how to do right by these stories, these historical people, places, and events, and how not to diminish them uh, when we are telling these stories, but how to do it in an accurate and approachable way so it isn't as... Um, what did you call You had a great phrase in this one. I think it was like a slog or a, a, a death march or something. I can't remember. I, know. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh, man. That's the thing, though, right, Ben? Like, I mean, some of the topics that we discuss 
inevitably do have some kind of heavier elements. And I wouldn't say we're necessarily a comedy podcast. You know, we're, uh, we try to do our best to approach this stuff with, with lightheartedness and kind of make it listenable and approachable. Um, we're definitely a history podcast first, uh, but we do have to be careful not to either not belittle or just to kind of like give a sense of dismissiveness by being too, you know, lighthearted when things maybe are a little heavy, but also to balance those things. And I think Diana and Eli, you know, approach uh, Ridiculous Romance very similarly. Uh, and we had a really great, very open conversation with a great Q&A at the end at Podcast Movement. And we thought it would be great to just share it with you as is because we really enjoyed it. Uh, and we hope that you do too. And next time, Max will be there. Definitely. Yes. Here it is, folks. Before we get started, thank you so much uh, for coming to this panel today. Uh, is everybody having a good time at Podcast Movement so far? Has everyone gotten lost, like, in the Jurassic Park atrium at yes. least once? Yes. Cool. Twice. Three times. A lost yeah. Is anybody person. here actually lost now? Because if so, I will give directions. Yeah. He's yeah. great at that. Yeah. The panel that you are supposed to be in is called The Humor and the Heavy. Explore serious subjects with finesse and empathy. Wow. That sounds Ooh. like a fun panel. Yeah, see? Oh, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> Please stay. You're our ringer. All right. We need you. Uh, so, hi, uh, I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. I am your friendly neighborhood moderator. Um, uh, the panel that we are in is the thing that I just said. Here with me on the stage today, we have Ben Bolin, Noel Brown, Eli Banks, and Diana Brown. No relation that I know of. <laughs> Not that oh, I know us, of. no. Cool. <laughs> We're friends. That would be it's a relation. surprise. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, they are the hosts of, uh, Ridiculous History and Ridiculous Romance, which are, uh, two podcasts. Uh, it's part of it. It's part of a whole ridiculous slate now mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. iHeart. We call it the RCU. No. RCE. RCE. Yes. Extended. Extended. Yeah. Extended. Yes. Well, good. Um, uh, and, and, and these two shows explore, uh, uh tr try to take bits of history that are honestly ridiculous, um, and, and explore, the why and how of, 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 of what went down. Um, and frequently it's very funny and frequently it's incredibly tragic, um, often at the same time. Um, and so what they wanted to talk about today um, is just, just their, their insight into how they handle that um, carefully and with human empathy, but also keeping it, keeping it light and funny, entertaining. Um, so uh, I have some questions. Love okay. that. All right, Ooh. here we go. Okay. Way into Fairly. it. I'll allow it. <laughs> so y'all do often take a humorous approach, but um, but you have to acknowledge those serious, uncomfortable realities that are part of the stories that you're telling. Um, how how would you all describe the process for how you handle that on air? So uh, I I guess I would I would kick us off by saying one of the first things to think about is uh, the. It's almost cliche, but in our opinion, uh, when Noel and I first started Ridiculous History, we decided from day one that the most important part of any show we ever do, episode or podcast entire, is going to be the audience. And so, you know, we, dumb puns are there aplenty, sure. you know, yeah. and, and bits and riffing, but ultimately we want to serve the story and the audience by telling the truth even when it might feel uncomfortable. Uh, and, and a lot of, honestly, when you think about it, a lot of comedy exists in this sort of liminal space 
between what makes us laugh and what makes us uncomfortable. Uh, laughter itself is often a reaction to things that people would rather not acknowledge. Right. It's kind of funny, actually. One thing you learn being a podcaster is you can't make everybody happy. Um, so oftentimes we will hedge a little bit or talk about how a practice of a certain era perhaps is problematic and wouldn't fly today. And we literally get kind of dunked on sometimes for like trying to do that too hard maybe. But I think we do it just hard enough and it's important to us to acknowledge the present and you know the norms and what's okay now and why this I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example. Even, like, in the history of underwear, for example, like yeah. how it's so based on this, like, weird patriarchal kind of idea of beauty and, like, fashion, and it was very, like, the opposite of empowering for women. Um, and then it kind of, you know, progressed from there and became, like, you know, Calvin Klein underwear models and all that. Oh, and reading uh, historically accurate quotations. Always fun. Because people were, you know, way less diplomatic at times. How about y'all? Uh, I know it's something, one thing that's interesting and different between our shows is we set a cutoff historically. A very uh, arbitrary. Very cutoff. arbitrary. Well, it wasn't entirely arbitrarily. It was based around apartheid. We had an episode about like a really plucky gorilla in, in, the, in the Johannesburg Zoo that like chased down a criminal. Um, and that was the focus of the story. But this is a great example too. It was all surrounded by apartheid, which is obviously a historical event that is super tragic, its own form of genocide you could argue in some ways but like uh, we decide okay this is a recent enough historical event and we really can't go much further back than this so we set mid our cut off mid 1990s but y'all yeah. you don't really have that cut off i think it's great because history is obviously being written every day but right. um, with some of the more modern stuff that you guys do how do you approach it you know in terms of keeping it light yeah. uh, while talking about like heroin addicts that are murdering each other like Sid and Nancy for example that's true um, and and that's sort of you know, we've been leaning more historical because it's nice to have at least the full story of these people's lives when we're talking about a romance. You know, we want to see the context of where they met and kind of the whole story of how it ended. Um, but we do get into some more modern stories while trying to dodge tabloidy stuff. You know, um, we've done a couple celebrities. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we, we're really steering clear of like a Hollywood insider, e new, you know, like tabloidy exploitative kind of feeling of if, right. it, if it's not got something if it's just like ew look at these two weirdo like it's kind of it feels bad you know what I mean there's got to be a richness to it like um, you know we're, we're not just going to peer inside people's current lives you know and pick them apart and and tell that story we, will, we want some sort of richness out of it like if, when we for example did the Robert Downey Jr. and his wife's story that was what we were really talking about is addiction yeah. And uh, and and how difficult that is, and you kind of used that fairly modern sort of tabloidy kind of story to examine something. I, I think a little deeper than that. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think you guys do do a great job. At that. Yeah, they're better than us actually. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, Eli and Diana, they're you're you're talking about these relationships from the past. Um, are there any examples that you have for us of of ones that are clearly misunderstood by people in these are modern times? Well, I'll, I'll start with um, one I think is really interesting we just did recently that's, uh, this story has really opened up only in the last couple of years, and that was Winston and Clementine Churchill. And um, that was full of challenges because Winston Churchill is 
a super complicated character. He did a lot of really great things and a lot of really horrible things. And um, uh, but only in recent years, a biography came out in 2015, uh, where this author, you know, went through all their personal letters and just found out that she was hugely instrumental in his rise to success and ultimately defeating the Nazis, which was great. And oh, uh, a guy uh, took you know, credit. For, what's a, that? A guy took credit for something a woman actually did. Yeah, I know. It, no way. You know, weird, weird, we've right? been seeing that over and over again. It never happens, but this time it happens. Weird. <laughs> So, um, so that was one where, you know, the, the idea of Clementine Churchill for so long was that she was very quiet and kind of just like stood by her man. And I, I've never heard of her. I'm not yeah. joking. I mean, I, I didn't see the movie, but I've not heard of Clementine Churchill. Yeah, I knew. This exact moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm ashamed we, to we say. I knew very little before we started researching and, um, and kind of learning that romance was something I, I don't think, people are only beginning to understand it. So that was something that, you know, we were happy to bring out to people. But then Ajarita? Yeah, definitely. We are, like our second episode was about um, a woman who married the Berlin Wall. And so we ended up like going sorry, into... What? Married, <laughs> she married, married... The Berlin Wall. The Berlin okay. Wall. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure I heard you. And so, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, we ended up getting really into objectum sexuality, and we started talking about animism, and, and, and all kinds of like, just, it went into a lot of different kind of rabbit holes, <laughs> I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, I think, was something was very misunderstood about them because they, they, as you as you got more and more into how they feel about it and how they express it and how it, how it's happening for them and in real time and and it was really kind of profound and it was powerful and I was like, I feel this romance happening even though I can't enter in, I would I can't enter into that at all myself but I was like. I like I'm. I have a little tear in my eye. I would watch this Pixar movie. I would. I mean, you know, like. And I Who would play the wall? Who would be the voice of the wall? I mean, uh, can we go Tom Waits? Christoph Waltz, perhaps. Christoph Timothy Waltz. He is Chalet? the go-to German. Herzog. Actor, right? Herzog. Ooh. Herzog. Oh, Herzog. 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 I don't know, I don't know if he'd gravitas. do it. Yeah. He's tough I am to lonely. <laughs> Please love me. Yes. <laughs> I would watch the but, movie. Well, I was really glad we did that episode first or early because I think we approached it because it sounded funny. And that, that, as we dug into it, I think we really like just found a lot of empathy for these people and understanding, and it really sort of set, I think, us in a direction on the show that was like, we need to come at every subject with a hugely open mind. Um, and sometimes, you know, your mind is open and you learn something incredible and you're, you have a whole new appreciation. And sometimes you get like, Sid and Nancy, I didn't know anything about them. I was like, I'm really open to learn about more of these people. And I was injured. That was a very, <laughs> like, very yeah. dark story that was hard to... But oh, I, yeah. I, think, yeah, yeah. I think that's how you, you do the line of, of humor and heavy is sort of remembering that history is very human. Everyone you're, you're looking at is human. And even if they're a thousand years ago, four thousand years ago, ten years ago... We all have things that are, I mean, instincts that are just real. And if you can tap into that, you can, you can take anything with respect. And you can tell that mm -hmm. story with respect and still have a lot of fun with it without, like, punching down. I got it. Tilda Swinton as the wall. Oh, my God, of course. <laughs> right? Where were we? The wall She's and so versatile. She can I display mean, anything. That would work. Yes. Well, she might be one of us right now. She can do I anything. I don't know. She's amazing. Uh, yes, this is, all of us are Tilda Swinton. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Speaking of those human moments that are so important, how do you how do you find those in all of the stories that you pursue? I think that's a that's a question that applies to any podcast. I, I, I'd like to poll us in the audience because uh, we are recording this live. This will be on our show later, so you are already part of the show now. Uh, and I think we we have a lot of people uh, at the movement today who are themselves podcasters, right? And you run into those moments where you say. Why, why am I telling this story? How do I convey this story differently? You know, what, what is the difference between someone just reading a timeline that says so-and-so was born in 1819, and then in 1834, you know, they invented, um, they invented round. Corn. What? Corn? Corn they was an invention. Corn. They invented round corn. Uh or something like that. And then you go, you go through a timeline, you kind of lose the soul of it. Uh, no, like Diana said, well, nobody is, no, life is one big game of telephone and long form improv. No one's really sure how it's gonna end. You know, you just try to sort of yes and your way through it. And uh, what you find is that if you really look at these people, not as epic, you know, entries in a history textbook, what you find is that they, too, are rarely convinced that they are doing the right thing. They have quarrels, right. you know? 
Well, it's interesting too. It all depends on the source, right? Like you know, mm -hmm. as you say, history is written by the the winners and all of that. So it certainly can have a spin to it and a slant to it. And I think the key too is reading from lots of different sources, lots of different perspectives, and also having our own perspective. Because there was a really great talk earlier with Charlemagne and. Uh, Jill Scott and, and our boss Connell and Dolly and, and, and Dolly of course and uh, I think what something Charlemagne said that was totally correct is that podcasts are all about personality I think that's sort of like a duh kind of statement but it's about perspective you know it's like we anybody can tell the same story but it's not going to be the same story it's all about who's telling it and how it's being told and not to say that facts are going to change but it's about the empathy and the humanness that you bring to it as an individual human person with a perspective. And that's how you connect you know, with your audience, I think. Which is something I think uh, Eli and Diana do really well. Agreed. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. We, it, you guys are totally think, humans. Well, I we love that about you. Honestly, we have it a little easier than you guys because our subject matter is literally romance. So there is a very human element like built into every episode, even, even when it's not a romance like the John and Lorena Bobbitt story, you know, that there's there's still a human it's a element romance there. of a kind. It, it is, right? And <laughs> in the beginning. And yeah. they when they met, there was a very brief, beautiful moment where they were just totally enamored with each other and you know went downhill from it there. It was but, a very brief <laughs> year. Rolled downhill into a bush. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Behind a seven eleven, yeah. They, they had to yeah. pick it up, put it in yeah. a box. I cut short. Who said that? That was great. <laughs> Very good. This is the kind of stuff you can expect on episodes of Ridiculous History and Ridiculous Romance. But no, I think, yeah, again, it's just, it's kind of what you bring to the table. And, and I agree that you guys do a really, really great job of kind of like humanizing and just being empathetic and just like approaching things with kindness, you know, and right. not punching down. There's right. so many podcasts that are very inherently negative or mean-spirited, and I like some of those a lot, right. but that's not what we do. We try to bring sort of a kindness yeah. and a thoughtfulness, but also lightheartedness to some heavy topics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, have there been any figures who, who you've started looking into and you start realizing that they've just been completely misportrayed? Um, Hitler. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> they got him right. No, no they, they totally, nailed that yeah, one. Yeah, really that's did. largely accurate. Um, yeah, what a great question because there are the, the distressing slash inspiring answer. You can decide whether this glass for you is half full or half mm -hmm. empty to be super cliche about it, is that a, if not um, a majority, a surprising and disturbing, disturbingly sizable proportion of people, of figures throughout history are in some way misportrayed. Uh, and they're misportrayed often because um, the way that they are taught to students, you know, if you're, if you're not in grad school for James Joyce, you're probably not gonna hear all the weird stuff James Joyce did. I mean, I'm gonna keep it kind of family friendly, but James Joyce was like not a beloved figure in his, you know, his version of Cheers, his, his bars that he would hit up when he wasn't agonizing over Finnegan's Wake or something, because he would do stuff where he had, this is true, he had a, um, a tiny pair of women's, uh, oh, we did the underwear episode. Mm -hmm. We should have mentioned this. I don't remember this story. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the edge it, of my seat. It didn't make it in. But um, he had a tiny pair of women's underwear that he would fit around his pointer and his middle finger. Like finger skateboard? Yeah, like finger, exactly. Yeah. And, oh, it's awesome. and so he was like, people were, when they saw him, he they were instantly show, tired. Kind of? yeah, yeah, he would like That's walk amazing. up, to, he wouldn't know them, and he would be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and people don't want to 
really know that about the guy who changed Western literature. Oh, I think it changed. Know? I love it. I think it makes uh, all I'm the difference. I'm very happy to know that about mm-hmm. the guy who changed Western literature. <laughs> but that's, that's again, that's a human moment. A million percent. Right? right? No, a million Especially with some a work as heavy and puzzled over as, like, some of his stuff is. You know, this, like, literal puzzle box of a, of a novel. I guess he worked hard and he was just hard, kind yeah. of a weird dude. Yeah, I love that. Worked weird and partied. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say our biggest in that category is probably the Empress Elagabalus. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was a transgender empress of Rome, and we know that because the documents of the time about her said, she said, call me the empress, call me his wife, that yeah. is what I want to be referred to as. And then for 1,800 years, most of the documents said he right. when they were talking about her. And um, so that, you know... we. Of course, that's a lot more modern discourse that we're able to kind of learn and examine that. But, um, but I, I think it's something that uh, is starting to change and, and has been misrepresented through history. But we're, you know, we can obviously look at it a different way now. But especially with things like ancient Rome, where, again, the, the history is written by the, the winners, right. you have perspectives where it could be like very uh, belittling to right. someone like that, right. and you'll see certain uh, historians that clearly have a slant and had an issue right. with this person. Yes, that was, some, that was something that really came clear researching that episode, because it was like, okay, well, at the time they wrote this, but it could have been a jab, they were trying to make him look bad or something, or... They erased from history people that they were just like, actually, that's your punishment. We're just going to just scratch you out the record for a minute, like mm-hmm. for four to ten to however many years. Yep. And then you have to go back and kind of be like, okay, so this could be hearsay. It could be gossip. It could be a story somebody told somebody else because they wanted to look cool. You know, like you're, totally. you're not sure. And it's, that's kind of interesting, too, to, to see that pettiness. If, you know, <laughs> right. we, it's like we, the earliest we form of a subtweet. You know, like, yeah, yeah we've never would, stopped yeah, the shade. Never not started. <laughs> And because it's, you know, at least according to the records we do have, because she was a terrible person, you know, like murdered a lot of people. Um, So, yeah. It's hard to walk that one back. Right. You know. Right. (laughs) But, But I think, you know, one thing we could take away from that question is something that applies to us today, which is um, often the way history is taught trends toward telling us one thing about a person and it may be the most important thing they've ever done and it may have fundamentally you know changed our experience living today but that wasn't the only thing they did like the current dalai lama true story super into watches he like collects watches he's he's all about it and he doesn't I guess really talk about it. You like swatches? No, remember swatches? I think he's like <laughs> I do, and it would yeah. be super cool. We're like the Keds of watches, yeah. kind but, of. But you everybody, know. like you're you're here you're here today, and thank you for being here. And you you right now are the version of you that has gone to a meetup about podcasts. But you're also someone's kid. You may have children of your own. You right. probably have like a high school friend that thinks of you as a totally different version of you, mm-hmm. and people throughout history have that too. Well, Maybe not the high school thing, but you know, you get it. So much of history, especially like armchair, like pop history, is is inherently reductive. It kind of has to be. Yeah, right. it's really impossible, or, or you know, unless you're Malcolm Gladwell or whoever that guy is that does the five-hour history podcast. Uh, Carlin. Carlin, yeah. yeah. I can't. Dan, I not can't hang with that. I can't yeah. do it. No, he's good. Uh, he's no, really I'm sure good. it's great. I'm sure it's for somebody, but it's not for me. And I'm okay <laughs> oh, with that. Boy. Um, but I, 
I, um, I think you can handle the, the short form versions still with respect and not being so reductive mm -hmm. that you're you know, creating a super one dimensional picture of, of, of one of these figures. Yeah, you know? right. and this is, this is something I want to shout out with um, that, that I love that you all do on Ridiculous Romance. You, you do what I think uh, good storytellers should do, which is you embrace those tangents. You know, like when yeah. people, people used to talk about Nikola Tesla, right? And they would say, uh, you know, they would have like the five to six talking points. And then somebody did the research and said, oh, actually, he got real deep with this pigeon yeah. toward the end of his life. Mm -hmm. And it was like weirdly wholesome. And then that became one of those points. And I, I also, you know, Lauren Vogelbaum, moderating today, uh, has a show that she does, uh, one of her many shows called Savor, which is ostensibly about food uh, and catch me if I'm misspeaking here but it's never it's about food okay well it's never <laughs> just about food I feel like because it goes into culture it goes into folklore it goes into the sociology of the thing and if you really want to understand a person an event a concept then like Noel said you need to look at all the differing disagreeing sources and then you need to look at all the things around it because context is crucial to the plot. Yeah. Um, thank you for the shout out. Uh, I, I wanna go back to, uh, this is partially what, what, what you guys are talking about, about sensitivity, but also partially what, um, what y'all were talking about, about wanting to avoid uh, being e e exploitative, exploitive, what's just the word? Does anyone here know? Dealer's choice. Great. Yeah. Um, You're the moderator. Oh, um, <laughs> I was an English major. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, about, about trying not to be that thing. Um, uh, but still, like, like you guys do funny podcasts, like funny is part of the shtick. So like, how do you, how do you kind of um, have fun without making fun? Oh, I like what Diana said, punching down. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's huge. I, I mean, that's a huge rule in comedy in general is that, you know, how much power is in the equation, that's who you make fun of is the one who has all the power in the situation and the people who don't, you don't make fun of them. <laughs> they got enough to deal with. Yeah. So um, I think that's definitely, uh, uh, what's that word? You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Thank got you. Got an expert. <laughs> you found it. it. Well, no, it, yeah, please. Well, I was just going to say, it's, you know, we, like our show, we're a married, white, cis, heteronormative couple. Like, there's a lot of down to punch, and it's, mm -hmm. but it's also not difficult to find completely different things to laugh about. Like, we talked about um, uh, the Lonely Hearts Killers. Yeah. Right? These are two people who met uh, in a catalog in the 50s, I think, 40s. Yeah, newspaper ads in the 50s. News and, uh, and then got together and, and murdered a bunch of people, and there's <laughs> not a lot funny about that. Um, I don't know what we did. I shouldn't even brought it up because I can't remember what we did find funny about that. But. <laughs> That's the thing, though. You don't have to make it into a joke or right. make it into a bit. Right. It's, again, like I was saying, it's all about your perspective and the humanness right. with which you approach something heavy. Mm -hmm. You're not going to tell a doom and gloom, I call it misery porn story. Yes. You're going to find something to just around it yeah. and that's really the key yeah. you know exactly. you don't have to convert it into some kind of like stand-up routine right. that's not what yeah. we do at all yeah right. we make fun of ourselves mostly. exactly sure. and we, earned, we earned every bit or of the that. circumstances they're in i mean you know mm -hmm. that era is was 
there was so much ridiculousness happening happening around the circumstances that led to their relationship, that led to what they were mm -hmm. doing to other people in their lives who, you know, allowed them to behave like this. Or it's just absurd, and you can kind of laugh at that, I yeah. think. Or the joke. The joke is also can be what my reaction to this, or how I would do, how I would have reacted, and how differently this person did you know what i mean that's the joke right. becomes yep. like if it were me i would have sold him off the you know like it would well have been said, a totally yeah. different and then you have a good time and then you're like let me get back to the story which is very tragic and we're getting back to the story now you know and what i think I mean? that's like, an important way to connect with your audience too yeah. is because they're thinking that themselves yeah. and then you're acting as a stand-in for them mm -hmm. as well and yeah. you're kind of inserting yourself into the narrative and i think that's something that we've learned and we get the most outreach about is like I just like hanging out and like, you know, you guys ask yeah. the questions that occurred to me as they yes. occurred to me. Uh -huh. And I think that's a real, you know, it, it, it's sort of intuitive, but it is something you learn to kind of lean into over yeah. time, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's so great. Yeah, what would you do in that situation? That's why people, uh, that's why people watch uh, horror films, right? Because you, there's something to, to knowing your own perspective on there and saying like, yeah, don't go in the cabin. You know, and you're looking around at other people cabin. in the theater, yeah. and they're like, "Please stop talking." You're like, "But, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's a, I think that's a huge point um, that that I I love I love to hear in podcast or just in conversation because really you're exercising empathy by assuming that perspective. And also, just the last thing is like we are trying to have you walk away with having learned a thing right. a little bit at least you know um right. something that you can remember and whether you've learned from the experiences of others historically or it's just a little you know thing you can bring up at parties and tell a weird story about you know the married couple that went on a killing spree um that's good good party fodder but sure you no know, i'm just saying like that's a big part of it too is we want to make sure people are walking away having learned something, having been entertained, and having felt some kind of connection, I guess. Right. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. 
You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. So as you're you're talking through some of these subjects that that do get into deep, weird places, uh, has there ever been a moment where you felt like ethically or morally obligated to tell a particular part of the story or to tell a particular part of it a particular way? Yes, yeah. You can't do a heartwarming story about a gorilla in South Africa in the 1990s and not talk about apartheid. That's right. right. That was a big deal for you us. You cannot not do that. That was sort of the wake-up moment for us. Where we were like, oh, we kind of have to figure out how to do the thing that we're talking about today. Because that was relatively early on in the show's life. Yeah. And that's when we realized we had to talk about the surrounding circumstances of this ultimately heartwarming story to make the heartwarming bit pay off. You had to explain the, like tragedy surrounding this whole thing. This gorilla, by the way, became this rallying uh, figure kind of around um, which people just kind of like, almost this revolutionary figure, you know, during apartheid when all of this horrible stuff was happening. Or if you like talk about um, silly things that in retrospect seem silly from earlier eras of humanity, you know, you talk about um, what's like one of those old songs, like the origin of the song Ring Around the Rosie. You know what I mean? Right. That gets dark pretty quick. Totally. And it's kind of irresponsible, or at the very least, it's somewhat unethical or misleading if, um, if you are telling that story and you're not also saying, this might seem cutesy now, but here's why it happened. Mm-hmm. Because people in the past were not unintelligent. They were working with what they had, you know? And you talk about, like... Um, there's a fantastic podcast called Sawbones, mm-hmm. right? Which talks about what we would call medical quackery, yeah. right? And what really that is, is it's not a bunch of people waking up and going, you know what, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get real weird with it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just gonna like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna like prescribe uh, walking Wittershins uh, mm-hmm. around an occluded moon mm-hmm. and then uh, slapping people with beats. Mm-hmm. That came from somewhere, you know? Like people were, thinking through a process the best they could. Right. And that's the empathy we have to have. They did not have the advantages that people living now have. Right, now for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, one of th- I'm kind of thinking of two, uh, or three, actually, because you, know, you guys mentioned apartheid, and we did a, the story about uh, Soretze Kama and Ruth Williams, and that was an interracial couple that they... Uh, married in what was Bechuana land at the time, later became Botswana, largely because of their marriage, and, um, and apartheid you know, forced them, even though it was happening in another place in South Africa, their influence on England and trade deals and everything got England to force them out in ex- into exile out of their own country. Um, so you know, s- similarly, we had to kind of address apartheid in that episode. That ended up being a really important contextual part of their story. Sure. Um, other times, it's less contextual, but we did the story of um, uh, Bert and Linda Pugash, who, uh, 
it's an insane story. It's our next episode to come out. And uh, this guy hired uh, uh, some, some thugs to, to attack this woman who didn't want to date him anymore, and they threw acid in her face and blinded oh, her. And when he got out of prison 12 years later, they got married. Yeah. And were happily married for the rest of their life. Um, and yeah. it's a whole story. But wow. within that, he was in Attica prison during the Attica prison riots and mm-hmm. was only very tangentially involved. And I didn't know a lot about the Attica prison riots when I was doing the research. And I learned about them and said, it's insane that I haven't ever heard of this. Did you watch yeah. Dog Day Afternoon as part of your research? I, I, well, we need to because we're going to do that couple too. Should. I yeah. haven't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, but, we, yeah. Got, we got um, that on the list. But that was where it wasn't necessarily contextual to the story, but I was like, I, I can't not take this opportunity to make people aware of this thing. Right. So right. it almost turned into a 10-part series just about that. But we had to <laughs> you you know, minimize careful. it. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, um, sure. but, but couldn't walk away without bringing it up. It just seemed mm-hmm. too important. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, when we did um, the 16th century poets, Shah Hussein and Madhu Lal, that was definitely one where I was like, okay, it feels important to explain not only his, his, uh, the sect of religion that he was practicing, not only that area's uh, feelings currently about gay marriage or gay relationships, and also all the, the political like stuff with Kashmir and the line of control and all this stuff because their relationship was a Hindu and a Muslim living in harmony. So their relationship is still considered like uh, uh, a symbol of universal harmony for them and, and, and true like spiritual connection. And so some, some of them are like, they were just spiritual. They were not lovers. It was not gay, you know, whatever. And then a lot of people are like, they, no, they, I think they were gay. They had, a, they had a loving gay relationship, you know, whatever. So it was really interesting to dive into that and, and feel it really felt important to have all that context around their relationship because otherwise it wasn't as powerful. You didn't see the impact, why we chose it. You know, it was like, this, this has a lot. <laughs> you know, it was deep. So, yeah. It's awesome. We get in yeah. those rabbit holes. Sometimes they're good rabbit holes and sometimes they're not helpful. <laughs> yeah, you find out at the bottom, I think. <laughs> but then you're trapped in a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. And you, How do you climb out? Well, yeah. I think that's going to be a question at some point. <laughs> um, has, there, has there ever been a, a story that as you were getting into it, you were like, oh, this is actually too much and I need to put it down and walk away? Have you ever walked away from a story? Uh, well, yeah, um, there's a, a couple that come to mind. One, uh, we early on said, oh, we should do Marilyn Monroe's story. And we started doing some research on that. And we were like, you know what, this is a really difficult and sad story. Like, there's not, we, we can't have fun with this. We, it doesn't fit our show because it's it, totally inappropriate to be funny about much of any of it. So that was one where we've, uh, we may one day tackle it, but I think so far we've decided it's not it's not right for our show. Um, and then Shah Hussein and Madhulal, we actually uh, re-recorded that episode. It was it was like our third episode. That's so we right. Were still we kind talked of, about that. And yeah, you kind of learned that, yeah. from the about it. false yeah. start and kind of realized yeah. you were over mm-hmm. hedging a exactly. little bit. Exactly, we were being so reverent, mm-hmm. and you know because this was a totally different culture than ours, and we really wanted to be respectful and stuff. And I think we went a little too far, and it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a little too quiet and 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 calm, and it didn't have a lot of energy. Timeliney, like mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, very. They just were born. They the went facts. to a thing. They did a stuff, and it was uh, over. You know, and it was I don't like. Don't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> this isn't it. <laughs> we so we like let's just empty our minds and just redo it without any like serious notes. We were just like let's just 
have more fun with it, mm -hmm. have a good time with it, tell this story, keep the respect. Right. And, and it turned out great the second time. We yep. hope it was, was much better. Mm -hmm. That's a really yeah, good example. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't, I don't know if we've walked away from no, there were, that. No, we also have a full disclosure. We have an amazing research, research assistant yeah. in Gabe mm -hmm. who helps us you know, do kind of like bullet points and pull from different sources mm -hmm. and helps us pick, pick topics, you know, because Ben and I also do another show called Stuff They Don't Want You To Know yep. uh, that we do five days a week. Um, we do two episodes of Ridiculous History every week, so it's nice to have a little bit of, of research help. But we, you know, dig in ourselves as well and mm. contribute, and it's sort of a collaborative process. But I think there were a few that he pulled that we maybe never did because they, there was one that was about like some German folk tales around Christmas or something like that. Right. And it was so like just grim and dark mm -hmm. and like kind of depressing and it was like a ring around the posy moment it really was and it was yeah. like uh, I think we were just like you know what let's just give that one a miss mm -hmm. uh, we I guess you're right we did walk away from we did walk away from Jack the Ripper uh, not to be too Smart. precious about it there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of excellent scholarship on this it's probably one of the most well-documented serial murders in, in, in this era. That's for a different show, though. Isn't it? it is for a different show. <laughs> yeah. And then also, you know, it's, um, we didn't want to be precious about it, but it's kind of callous to be like, hey, these people's lives were horrible. They died in horrible ways. What do you do next? Waka, waka, waka? That's terrible, right. you know? And so we, we've, I think over time, uh, me and this guy have developed sort of a, a spidey sense for that kind of, for that kind of thing because you know you you earn the uh, trust the rapport of again the most important part of the show the person listening and they're extending uh, what I would argue is the most valuable currency of this time which is time right your personal time in a world of ubiquitous never-ending information make it worth it and if they if you're if someone's trusting us to uh, to properly convey a story and to travel along with us for a few minutes, then we don't want to trick them. That's like hopping into an Uber to go down the street, and you're like, "Holy sh! Why are we going to Montana?" Right. <laughs> no, and to, to double back to that's really totally true. Double back what we said Thank earlier. You the about, no, it's fine. You can speak French all you want. Um, it is about that connection with the audience and you could get these stories we didn't we don't have like the monopoly on weird history stories no. there's other podcasts that have done the same stories we've done we have a sister podcast called uh stuff you miss in history class we initially they're fantastic we initially were like trying really hard not to cover anything that they'd covered but then we realized like it we it's different it doesn't matter it is our perspective and it's going even if someone enjoys that show they can hear us doing the same episode topic and it would be a completely different version of it even if like the facts were all true it's like a different version of that story that could probably be valuable or at least entertaining in a different way or comforting in a different way maybe no one owns a story no you know? and that's what i'm saying what we want to make sure we continue to do is approach everything we do with that empathy and connectedness with the audience yeah. so that people continue to hang out you know uh oh yeah, cool. Uh, speaking of the audience, hi. Uh, we were wondering if y'all had any questions for us. Uh, there's a microphone that's gonna be coming around. I'm sure you're used to this by now. We're recording for virtual, so be clear, okay? <laughs> yes, please. 
tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Hi. Um, whoa, that's loud. <laughs> yeah. I, I did it at the beginning, too. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, my name is Colleen, and um, my podcast is Not Almost There. It's not funny, but it's um, kind of like uplifting, motivational, inspirational. And there's been a couple moments we had this guest, and we like plan for it, do our research, everything like that. Um, and this one guest whose um, father had passed away, which was a pivotal moment in his life, and he's done countless um, interviews about it, spoken about it, but on our podcast, he got really emotional. Mm. And it was like deer in the headlights, like, I don't know how to respond to this emotion right now. Mm. And like, it was a worse tr transition. Like on YouTube, we even got this comment that was like, good content, but oof, you missed that moment. Like right away, the audience like commented on it. So I don't know if you have any advice on even in all your prep, like you get to a moment while you're recording that you're, that it gets like super emotional. Like how do you comfortably live in that emotional moment and then bring it out to, even if it's not humor, but it's like a, a, a to a higher place. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can give an example, not from this show at all. We all work on lots of different stuff for Ben and I in particular and, and Lauren. And I did a true crime show called Happy Face that was about the uh, father. It was about the daughter of a uh, infamous serial killer. And she got very emotional talking about finding out about her father being this rapist, murderer, you know, secret life kind of guy. And she cried a lot. And we had to walk the line of like, 
are we doing service to her story by using these clips or is it exploitive to her? And she's obviously part of this. She's an executive producer on the project, so she was very much open to whatever we wanted to do and had like cut if she wanted it gone. She was fine with whatever we wanted to use, but we had a, you know, I think obligation to ourselves and to listeners to not overplay that hand and to only use it in a way that served the story and served the narrative and like the emotion of her, you know, revelation kind of. So does that make sense? I think it's like just something you have to kind of like feel out in the moment and it's certainly different for a conversational show than it might be for a heavy sure. production lift I, type I, show. I would, I would say, um, Holly, in terms of nuts and bolts with those kinds of interviews, uh, you are, as the interviewer, you are going to find yourself being the um, object of stability in this mm-hmm. conversation about these things that have happened. Uh, so everything can change and be perfect and just so in post, in the editing room, right? But when you are with that person in that moment, one of the most important things is um, you, don't, you shouldn't feel like you have to rush it. Silence can always be cut, right? And you shouldn't feel like, okay, we need to wrap it up because often psychologically for people, um, when you're remembering something, you are experiencing it again, right? right? And so it's incredibly crucial, I would say, to first, if you know that kind of stuff is, if you're gonna go into those waters, bake in for that interview at least, at least 50% more time than you were planning. So if it's if you're like, we're gonna talk for an hour, be ready to go for an hour and a half or two hours, uh, make sure that you don't leave them in that moment, you know, and and you can you can stay with them. It's totally fine to say, hey, do you wanna take a break, right? And we'll, you know, we, we'll come back in 10, um, but when you say, you know, we'll come back in 10, what you're really saying and what they're feeling, even if it's unconscious is, this person is not going to leave me alone. They're not going to run away from this. And then that, once you, once you kind of unlock that and you build that level of trust, um, they are going to be super, super open to talk about other stuff because they don't want to live in that moment necessarily right. either. And you sort of help shepherd them through yeah. it. And yeah. it does build. Trust. And the next thing you know, the conversation ends on like Police Academy 4. Or something the best, like that. Clearly the best police yeah, I academy mean, movie. Rotten Tomatoes has spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're good. Hi, my name is Amy Watson, and um, I I'm, have a podcast on PTSD that I started after the pandemic. And um, so my podcast is Wednesdays with Watson, and I started my first season autobiographical because I have lots of trauma, climbed in a closet and started telling my story, right? Um, And I loved what you just said about not leaving the listener in a bad place, right? But you can imagine, like, I'm pretty funny in real life, but it's very difficult to be funny when you're talking, especially when I was telling my my autobiography, which is lots and lots of trauma. Um, Do you guys find just as valuable... And I think you hit it, and I'm sorry, I can't read your name from here, but, I, but do you find it just... Because just, there's no way to really inject humor in a, in a podcast about PTSD. There just isn't. I mean, there's some ways, but is it just as effective to just what you just said, not leave them in a bad place? So, like, my second season is telling the stories of other people's trauma and the, the, the crooked roads of hope and pain and how they're not there anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And so we leave them with that, the hope, but, but the journey, the 20 minute journey there is not fun. Sure. 
And so one of the things I did, because to avoid what happened to her, is when people come on and tell their stories, because I'm also a writer, so I do a pre-interview, listen to their story, that's a big, write that's it a so people sure. could, can swallow it in small parts and in, in a little bit of creative way, and then interview them. So in your opinion, in the heart, which is why I came in here, is I, I want them to keep listening to the next story, the next story, because this is something people aren't talking about. Is that, in your opinion, just as effective as being funny? Because I can't be funny about this. Well, you don't have to, I, I would, um, I'm going to be fully transparent with you. I'm not really joking. Uh, Diana and Eli are, in my opinion, a little funnier than us. But I think, I think all, all five of us could agree that, um, <clears throat> so with, we're thinking in terms of palette, right? Like a, a color palette. And the, what's worse than a lack of humor is forced humor. You know, right. somebody's talking about like a time they lost someone in a house fire. And, you know, um, if you have the temerity to try to force a joke in there, that's, that's either monstrous or it's um, cartoonishly negligent. Mm -hmm. Like you're, that, that is a missing piece. So I would say, I would say if, if humor feels forced, then that probably is, that, that is a strong indicator that it doesn't belong in that part. Mm -hmm. and, and, and an audience feels that um, the way that animals can sense earthquakes before they happen. Like they will know. Podcast listeners are very intelligent. For sure. What do y'all think? Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we start, you know, making sure that we are in a story that we can be funny about to some degree. So it, it's, it's a little outside our, our world, but, um, but I think, you know, we've done comedy for a long time together, and uh, one thing, one major thing that we learned is that, uh, you know, you're, you're walking your audience through it, and comedy is human and, uh, and humane. Uh, good comedy is. And uh, you can be jarring and shocking and surprising without breaking that wall of being yeah. humane. And, um, and I think, like, we'll interrupt, you know, a lot of our heavy moments with a joke. Yeah. But we have to find a way to do that that doesn't negate that moment, that doesn't undo the, the importance and the heaviness of what we just talked about. Right. And, yeah. and I've cut jokes that didn't do that before. You know, we don't always nail it in the record, but, um, but when, they're, when they're right, I think it, it really kind of helps your audience yeah. kind of walk away from that moment. Yeah, I think some I, of my favorite like, films and television shows do that too, where they break up like, heavy stuff with yeah. like, a little bit of levity. And I think that's, you need that. It's like a palate cleanser to kind of get you through to the next thing. Yeah. It's true. It does, it does help you hang on to the end. You know what I mean? When you're talking about something so heavy and so real, and of course, there's nothing to joke about, but it's hard to stay in that space for a really long time. So finding a way, even if it's not humorous, but I think you're thinking in the right direction of like finding a light moment, even if it's not a funny laugh out loud moment, just to like, okay, we Breath. are good, yes. we did yes. that, and now we're back, and now we can go into the rest of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's what. That's what I would say. I think you guys hit on it. So maybe a better way to think of this is that comedy or humor is a genre of connection. Yes. Right. It is not the only genre. So if there is some sort of connection, it is doing the work that comedy would have done. Yes. And all of these are yeah. equal. Yeah. And and. 
I, and I, I hate to interject. We've got we've been told uh, by our right. experts over here. Give a hand for them, please. They're doing yeah. the real work. Uh, that's Michael. That's Zach. That's Michelle in the back. You're so good at names, Ben. Crew. Yeah. Love well, crew. well. Uh, <laughs> we we walked over here. Um, Michelle, do we have time for one more question? Do we have one more? Okay. 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 Well, it's it. it's all on Michelle now. <laughs> We believe in you. Hello. Hello. Uh, Heather Parody, and I host a show called Happy Brain, not Happy Ooh. Face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we look at fun mental health hacks and tips. And we're about 100 episodes in. Um, my background is mental health therapy. And so it's been kind of like beaten into me, like the reverence of mental health for good reason. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also have like this other side to me that's like quirky and weird. Like, don't look me up on TikTok. Like, I do skits and I like that. So I'm really wanting to merge those two together, but also... I'm just so afraid to really lean into that with, because it's such a heavy topic and it's so serious, but to the point of connection, I feel like that's the draw of comedy is we can talk about this stuff. It's, it's a little bit more lighthearted. So this next hundred episodes we do, I really want to lean more into the funny and make it more enjoyable, but I'm yeah. also just so scared of like doing, saying the wrong thing or whatever. And I just wanted to know from your expertise, like approaching something like mental health, what is something that you would advise me as a creator to be considerate of or to think of or mindset-wise or tactically to do this well, um, but also make it fun too, because that's my heart. I think you want to be obviously sensitive to anyone that might be going through (laughs) these things while not being so oversensitive that you neuter the whole conversation kind of, you know? I think some people, like again, that's a great example you said about that one episode where you were so worried about getting it right or being sensitive to every possible angle. I don't think you always can. You have to kind of just go with your gut and be yourself and just kind of let the chips fall where they may. And, you know, obviously we're all thoughtful people and we're not going to try to say anything that's going to trigger or offend anybody. But I do sometimes think we could probably be a little easier on ourselves and not, you know, be so overly yeah. like, worried that we're going to say the wrong thing because then you end up saying nothing at all. Right. Yes, that's you know? very true. And if your guiding star is, I, I respect this and I have, I have appreciation for what's going on, what the struggle is, I think you won't, you won't punch down that way because you're you kind of picked your hero, right? So you're like, I, I know whose side I'm on. So when I'm making fun, it's again, it's to help you get through this conversation, apply it to yourself in a way that's not scary. And, um, and like, we're in this to get, we're here together. I mean, it's yep. just like you make jokes at a funeral. Nobody's like, what a jerk. You know what I mean? Like everyone's right. like, oh, thank God you said something to like relieve some tension. You know what I mean? And so it really, you can find a really, I think as long as you're thinking as you are thinking, which is, I have a lot of respect for this topic. I think you won't go too far. And the other thing you taught me this years ago uh, is that not, not to be too afraid to slip up. And as long as you're open to learn. And, um, and that some things are, you know, no group of people is a monolith, right? So there's going to be different opinions about things. And you just have to keep listening and adapting. Um, and, and hopefully you never get it wrong again. But, uh, but you may. And that's okay as long as, you know, what matters is what you do with that afterwards, I think. Yeah, well said. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of you for being here. Thank you to our staff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. guys. And and we'll be be hanging for a second after this. Um, Unfortunately, we do have to wrap because otherwise I owe Michael and Zach, like, all the beer. So uh, have a wonderful time at Podcast Movement, everyone, and we'll talk soon. 
know what? I, I gotta be honest. Listening back to that, we don't sound half bad. You know what I mean? Not to break a wrist patting ourselves on the back, but uh, but uh, I like to think that through the magic podcast editing, Max was nodding along in a couple couple things. Oh, okay, yeah. Max, you're, that still counts as a nod. Max is nodding no right now, but that still counts as a nod. A nod? I thought a, I thought a no was a shake. Uh, and oh. the nod was an affirmative. Uh, oh, and, uh, well. We'll, we'll sort that out later. Um, but thanks so much, y'all, for listening to that. I hope that you got something out of it, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain for how we approach the show. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's just about, you know, being a human being and approaching these topics, you know, with kind of empathy and humanity and treating these subjects like human beings while also not being too self-serious. And that's, I think, hopefully what makes this show uh, fun to listen to. And we surely appreciate all of you uh, listening every week. Absolutely. Yeah. Big thanks to the wonderful audience. Big thanks to our colleagues. And of course, big thanks to Max Williams. Folks, if you like the idea of us uh, going live and, and being on the road or even doing something virtual, you know, let us know because we're excited. And Max and Noel and I have only been working together uh, through the pandemic. Uh, we have, this is true, Max and I specifically have never met in person. Have we, Max? Only once we met during the underwear episode. Oh, wait, nope, you're right. You're right. I briefly forgot. But uh, <laughs> it's kind of weird, though, right? Like, I mean, I knew Max before he was our producer right. um, years ago, you know, through mutual friends and Alex and whatnot. And so but we hadn't seen each other for a long time. And, and same with a lot of our colleagues. That's why this podcast movement was such a big deal, because we actually got to hang out with folks that we'd only seen in little avatar form, or yeah. little floating head form. But I actually have gotten to the point where I conflate the two you know what i mean where i'm like oh no we totally see each other all the time but it, it, it's the same but it's also different uh i'm rambling but um a point being lovely to be in person with human beings again hope everybody out there plays it smart and safe so we can get back to doing more of that uh sooner than later well said we even might uh might take jonathan on the road no promises we'll see you next time folks For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.